The Long Box Crusade presents monthly Monday movie muckabout because the podcasting world needs another movie review show. I am Rick, also known as Not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I love movies! I got this huge collection of movies, and that's just not enough for me. I had to break into the Long Box headquarters and get into their movie room, and ow, I got this great movie room that I can just steal movies from, and it's great. Sometimes, sometimes I will hear from one of my friends and they'll say, hey, do you have this movie? I haven't seen it. It's really cool. And I'm like, yeah, I got the movie. But before I lend you the movie, you got to come on my stupid little podcast and talk about the movie. And that's what we're going to do today. And this time it's not one, but two people. I got my friends, Chris Reeves and Tanya Shellander. How are you doing, Chris and Tanya? And I probably messed up your name. Hey, <laughs> how's it going, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. And you get you got closer than most people do with my last name. <laughs> I practiced it too, but I was in such a like a rush. I just blew right through it. Much and, better ah, than uh, than Jeff would ever do. Yeah. You know what? I'm keeping that in, and I'm going to probably put it on repeat, and that's just going to be my tagline <laughs> from now on. As you guys might have gathered, I have known Chris and Tanya for some time, and they are also good friends with Jeff, my host from another show. <laughs> and uh, we've uh, all gone out camping, we've all gone out drinking, we've all gone out and had a ball together, and I miss you guys. Yes. Yes. I miss you guys. <laughs> I mean, I just see you in the screen, and I'm like, I want to go and hang out with you, and you guys are drinking, and I'm not drinking, and it makes me sad. <laughs> it's okay, you know, we're, we're here in spirit. Yeah. Well, it looks like you're there physically, too. And it's just that I'm here physically. You guys are there physically. And yes, yes, you can touch Tanya because you guys are living together and all that stuff. No, we're not living together. I've never met her before. Okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. I'm sorry. We are the world's worst couple. (laughs) (laughs) I find that hard to believe because you guys are adorable together and we love you. Well, that's what that's what makes us so terrible is that we think each other are like we just adore each other and and think each other is hilarious and it just it makes for a whole lot of just confused people around us. But Rick, we also well, love you as well. Yes. And I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. I don't have the length of time that you guys have at least known of each other. You know, mm-hmm. you got all those cute little pictures from high school and stuff. Yeah. And SantaCon. Yeah. No, that's well. Yeah, yeah no, but we we've got SantaCon too. Yeah, but, Chris and I have yeah, known yeah. each other since we were teenagers. But I'm sorry. Yeah, I had a whole bunch of hair <laughs> on my head. No longer a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a long it's been a long time since. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, yeah. I had a huge crush on him when I was 16 years old, and, and I was I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you got that over that for like a period of time. <laughs> I know. You had to get that out of your system and then come back around, and that's okay. We've all had a crush on Chris for a long time. I mean, how can you not have a crush on a guy with the name Chris Reeves? I know it is what it is. I know it is what it is. It's a name that you have to live up to, or at least fly up to. <laughs> Just keep the kryptonite away, and we'll all be okay. <laughs> Okay, we we need to talk about some movies. So let me ask you guys both independently, what is your love of movies? And I'll go ahead and start with Chris because I think the answer is going to be a little bit shorter. No, no, it just I was <laughs> trying to think of something rad to say, but I like movies for the uh, suspension of disbelief. Good, very um, nice, very nice. The thing is, I can't watch a movie if somebody's crunching something or answering me, asking me questions like, "Why is this guy with that big sword?" I, I who's it, that guy? <laughs> You know, what's what's going on here? Why why is this happening again? As bad as any movie is, I will always watch it till the end. 
And then I will come back to reality and say, wow, what a stinker. <laughs> so, so you've never actually like walked out of a movie then? No, I came close on one movie. I almost came on, on one movie. And then I saw a parent run out on another movie. And I thought it was so funny that I decided I would stay for any movie that I ever watched because a parent might run out with their kids. <laughs> now, the movie I saw with the parent running out with her kid was Jurassic Park when all the, the scary dinosaurs are running about. Her kid yep. was having none of it. And I remember seeing her hauling butt out of the theater with that kid just terrified. And I'm like, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> just. <laughs> and since then, I've never left a movie. No, that, that, that's a good reason not to leave a movie is because you never know what's going to happen, you know? How about you, Tanya? What's your love affair with movies? My love affair with movies? Well, <laughs> I've always been into storytelling and I love to read and love to watch old movies. I'm, I'm kind of kind of like you, Rick, where it's like when you asked us to do this podcast at first, I was like, there's not a movie I haven't seen. But by the same token, there's not a movie that I remember an ending to either. So <laughs> I can literally watch the same movie 10 times and I'm like, how does it end? <laughs> that is what I'd like to have with certain movies. I would like to have that kind of feeling with Fight Club and Usual Suspects where I don't remember the ending and I can just have that wow <laughs> moment again. The M. Night Shyamalan twist. <laughs> Yes, with yes. Twist. <laughs> with a twist. As you mentioned, I have tried to have you guys on the show before, but I ran into a little snag because, well, I can't rely on Chris. No offense. And, <laughs> and Tanya, you said, I've seen all the movies. What do you want from me? So, how, oh my goodness gracious, how wonderful was it the other day when... Chris put on Facebook and tagged me yeah. saying, hey, I want to watch these two movies and who's got one yeah. or who's got the movies. And Tanya comes on and says, hey, I haven't seen that movie either. And I said, aha, I have this movie and I will let you watch it on one condition. What are you doing tomorrow night? And here we are. <laughs> so and I can't I honestly can't believe that that we haven't seen this movie. And what movie is that? Why, The Adventures of Bunkaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. That's the movie we're talking about. <laughs> this is the 1984 American science fiction film produced and directed by W.D. Richter and written by Earl Mock Rock. And it stars Peter Weller, John Lithgow, Jeff Goldblum, Ellen Bargan, Christopher Lloyd. How have you not seen this film? Seriously, what do you know about this movie, guys? I, Either of you. I, I have a confession to make. I have seen a part of this movie... It has been the same part I've seen over the years, and it makes me so confused about this movie, and it is <laughs> the ending. I've seen the ending. I don't understand why they're walking, what they're doing, and why these strange people are walking up to this guy, and I'm like... What in the world is wrong with this movie? I have so 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 the only thing you have seen is the literal closing credit scene yes. where everybody's walking. Yes. Yeah, with that ridiculous song. <laughs> What's going on? Are those are those interviews? You have no clue at all what's going on no. with this movie because that tells you no. Nothing, no. nothing. No, and so that's the only part I've seen as well because that's what sparked this whole this whole conversation. He's like, I know you've seen this movie. You had to have seen this movie, but and he couldn't remember what movie it was. And so he's looking it up and trying to find it. And he goes, Oh, right, it's it's Buckaroo Bonsai. And I go, I've never seen that movie. And 
I had to- so he showed me that endings, the ending credits as well. So again, that's all I've seen as well, which I'm pretty stoked about finding out why Jeff Goldblum is in a red cowboy outfit. Cause, <laughs> cause that's, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm most looking forward to. <laughs> but I, I didn't know if those were enemies or good guys or bad guys or extras. I'm so confused by that ending that uh, I'm afraid to watch this movie, honestly. (laughs) Well, why haven't either of you guys seen this film before? I mean, this is 1980s film, and this is so kooky and weird. This is up both your guys' alleys. Yeah, indeed. I've purposely now not looked up anything else because, you know, who knows what awaits us when we watch this Mm -hmm. masterpiece. I've just, for some reason, there are a couple of films that are, are cult classics that... I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. I am familiar with, you know, the the Ferris Bueller's and the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but these two have escaped my gaze. Well, I should mention too, the other film was The Hutsucker Proxy, which is another excellent film. And honestly, of the two, this is the one I owned, and this is the one I would have given to you guys because <laughs> I want your reaction. And I like that you both are going in with just no clue. In fact, you're going in with less confusion than most normal people. So this makes me happy. This brings joy to my heart. <laughs> well, and it's like that whole the whole thread that we put out on Facebook the other oh day. My gosh. And all of our friends who are, they're all Gen X, just like us. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we were just losing points. Oh, we, we've lost, like, like, we've lost our nerd cred. Comment after comment, we were just losing points. Yeah, I was called an old man because I hadn't watched that. So yeah. like, what are you, some kind of geezer? <laughs> What's going on? Most of our friends were just baffled. They're, they're like, how in the world have you never seen Buckaroo Bonsai? So to, to be fair, I never got to the baffled point. I was just on the, yes, I've got them. I, I was I was Andy Potts and Ghostbusters. We got one. <laughs> <laughs> and a good one. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm assuming it's a good one. That yes, I. Well, you know, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're going to get into that. I want to know your opinion of this movie. I want to get your reaction to this movie. And so I now have something to do. Sometime in the next few days, I need to figure out a way to swing on down to get you this copy of the movie, mm-hmm. so that you can sit down and watch it. And while you guys are doing that, we right now, right here, are going to listen to the trailer from 1984's The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Across the eighth dimension. President's Line 1, calling about is everything okay with the alien space club from Planet 10, or should he just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on 1 and no on 2. Which was yes, to destroy Russia or uh, number 2? And we are back. 
Now, I hope you had an opportunity to sit down and watch this fantastic movie from the mid-80s. If you did not, well, we're going to spoil it for you. And I'm going to start now by giving a very quick, high-level synopsis of this film, because there's a lot. Anyways... Brain surgeon, scientist, poet, musician, and leader of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, Buckaroo Banzai has talent, skill, and charisma. But after a successful experiment passing through the eighth dimension, a group of red electroids led by Dr. Lazardo, who has been possessed by a red electroid named John Warfin, attempts to steal the technology to free their trapped comrades. Additionally, a group of black electroids are stationed in space, observing this confrontation, and have threatened to instigate war if the red electroids are not stopped. Buckaroo Banzai and his team of friends and supporters must gear up to stop the evil machinations of John Warfin and save the world. So, Chris... Tanya? That's what the synopsis was? Wow, I wish I wish I had had you here next to me to, to tell me that that's what this was about. It was a very confusing journey for us. So that would be a first impression. Um, your expectations were based on the final scene. How well did it meet those expectations? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not sure how that final scene. Well, actually, no. I, let me yeah. let me rephrase. That final scene makes complete sense mm-hmm. as as nonsensical as it is as that movie was for me to try to follow it. It was mm-hmm. it was it was a dark trail down a very strange path, left, right, forward, and. When I stopped to try to think what was going on, I, I just realized that it is, I'm way over my head. Yeah, yeah. I will admit it takes a few viewings to really figure out what's going on. And even then, when you're done, you're like, I'm still not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have to say that the very first thing that I thought was that in the pre-interview, I said, I'm so curious as to find out why Jeff Goldblum is wearing the red cowboy outfit. Uh-huh. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just really, really sad to say that after watching the whole thing, I still don't know why Jeff Goldblum is in a red cowboy outfit. I'm not mad at the cowboy outfit. I really am not mad at the cowboy outfit. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love the pants that he's wearing. They are fantastic. As a, as a costume designer, I want to make that. I want to wear those pants, but yeah. Would you say that they were fanny-tastic? Well, yes, they were actually fanny-tastic in the American sense. (laughs) Oh yeah. I would love to see Chris dressed up as the red cowboy Jeff Goldblum. I would think that would be Wonderful. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> Him oh, going boy. to a Comic-Con dressed like Jeff Goldblum from Buckaroo Bonsai would have people stopping and applauding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or giving me a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> there is something in there and it's and it's really hidden. At one point in time, Buckaroo Bonsai asks the doctor, played by Jeff Goldblum, he says, mm-hmm. hey, would you like to join our crew. I think there might be an Mm -hmm. opening. So there's something planted in that character's mind of, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to have an interview for the Hong Kong Cavaliers. So I better dress the part. Right. You got to have a character. Right. Uh You got to have a character. So he shows up like that and he realizes, oh, I'm overdressed. (laughs) And everyone just kind of like looks at him. uh Uh-huh. And moves on because this ain't the weirdest thing they've seen today. And it won't be the weirdest thing they've seen in the next 20 minutes either. So... 
moving on. <laughs> yeah, that, that does make sense. It gets because he's just like, yeah, uh, are you Pecos? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> no, no, I'm perfect, Tommy. <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of things and a lot of characters in this movie, but let's let's dive in and see what's something that just for each of you, stood out as something that was great, fabulous, and made the entire journey worthwhile for you. John Lithgow's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I saw an interview with him, and he said that the way he was able to make those teeth the way they are is that he'd eat like a packet of, of uh, Oreos and just let them just all over. Oh, oh my God. It was, it was the best because it really indicated... What, what a lunatic he had become. And you're just like, those teeth are pretty amazing. They're, they're hideous and they're disgusting. And bad guys should have hideous and disgusting features mm -hmm. and teeth are one of them. And they should have that, like the way, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> the way he moved was, was so snake-like. It was fantastic. Because I, uh, I think the bottom line is that John Lithgow is the worth the price of admission. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's just he he's so fantastic. And it's it's so ridiculous that this movie is so ridiculous and that there are such brilliant performances in it. It's just I just I can't wrap my brain around the whole experience of this movie. <laughs> so I was super Sorry. weirded out about, about his accent. I couldn't quite place the accent. <laughs> I think Neither it's, could he. I, th <laughs> I think it's Italian. I don't know. Is it Italian? Is it Spanish? Is it Russian? <laughs> You've got this guy who is this apparently brilliant scientist back in the mm -hmm. 1930s who's insane then. Yeah. And then he gets taken over by another dimensional creature. And so John Lithgow is just basically told, you want to go to 11? Mm, that's a little tame for us. Can you make it about a 13? That would be more our speed. And he just went. Yeah. Nobody in the crew said, stop. Everyone just said, keep going, keep going. Mm -hmm. He has said yeah. other interviews that he, this is one of his favorite performances because he could just go with it. Oh, yeah. And it was so insane and over the top. And he had so much fun that it's like... Yeah. You gotta love it. He just just poured himself into it and said, "Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go." Yeah, because you can you can see like I'm a big fan of John Lithgow, and I've never I hadn't seen this movie before, but I've seen a lot of his other stuff, and I'm always impressed by his ability to have kind of a a humor in his craziness and to see this where he was just let go and he had no reputation to lose at that time right. <laughs> and even then it kind of makes you respect other performances he's done mm -hmm. because then you can kind of see you know he's just restraining himself mm -hmm. it's like yeah when you saw somebody like robin williams go you expected him to always be at this manic level right and whenever he wasn't you're like oh He's holding himself back. But now you look at a lot of John Lithgow's performances, and you're like, he's always holding back because he can go further. Go there. Yeah. Further. Yeah. And that kind of makes you respect him a lot more, too. How about you, Tanya? I mean, we got teeth from Chris. Oh. What was a moment for you that has that made the journey worthwhile, even though as you're trying to <laughs> hold on to the reins of the horses? Okay, so I have to, if, if I don't get to have John Lithgow, I'm going to have to go for the point where they were all getting ready to go in and fight the baddies at the very end, and they've got the suit, and you have the thing where you, you get to breathe the thing in, and then you can see the guys, and I love, I love me some Jeff Goldblum, so uh-huh. The minute that he took that in and then he turned around and he looked at John Parker <laughs> and saw him 
for the lepton he is. I don't know what the what a, electroid, electroid, yeah, electroid. And the the look on his face, and he doesn't say a thing. He just goes, you know, I can't, I can't give yeah. you. A, he he gives he gives a oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. This is Will. Yeah, he puts his fingers up to his face, which are to, it's and it's a total Jeff Goldblum move to put his fingers to his face, like he's just I'm going inward because I can't deal with what's happening, and then. Back over his shoulder. Yeah, he's putting him up there so that he's not looking yeah. at it. But then, which I'm makes him then have looking. to over his shoulder, and it's yeah. so obvious that he's looking. And yeah. John Parker kind of gives him a wave too. And <laughs> oh, context for those who haven't seen the movie: uh, John Parker, the good aliens, I should say, the good electroids in this, they present as Jamaican. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> so they all present as Jamaican, as one does, and, as and, one does. And there is, they get this formula which gives them this chemical which allows them to see electroids not as humans but as aliens and so jeff goldblum takes a hit off of this uh, peace pipe that he's smoking and <laughs> and and he he can see the alien as it is and the aliens have, no this, have this crab type look to him or something and yeah his freak out reaction and the entire time there's this entire there's a presentation going on about what the plan is and everybody's being very serious about it and he is doing a freak out he has just had he has had some bad acid and he's having a little bit of a freak out at the moment (laughs) (laughs) i mean we talked about john let's go let's talk about jeff goldblum we've we've dived into his character a lot. He's a apparently a good physician mm-hmm. and he is playing second fiddle or, or he's called in Buckaroo Banzai on a case that he's working on to be in the movie. Just <laughs> Dr. To set the Banzai. Scene. <laughs> yeah, just to set up the scene that Buckaroo Banzai is also this brilliant neurosurgeon as well. Of course. So, of course. He's brilliant at everything. They have this relationship and he has come on as the new kid onto the Hong Kong Cavaliers. And he's a bit of the audience viewpoint into this film Mm -hmm. because he's trying to keep up with what's going on as we all are. And he's just, he's going along with it because why not? He mentions at one point, well, I'm from New Jersey and he's trying to drop that as his new nickname. They call me Jersey. (laughs) They call me Jersey. And they're all like, the guys okay, well, we, we don't have time for this, so sure, you're Jersey. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> but he's the bouncing point for a lot of things that are happening in the film. Like, you know, they're, the watermelon scene. They're oh, running God. after this one lecturer. <laughs> and they walk into this room, and there is this press that's got a watermelon being pressed. And he says, what's the watermelon for? I'll, and the other guy he's with says, I'll tell you later. And that's it. Yeah. That's all right. you find out. Yeah. That, that, that's it. <laughs> Well, and that's, I was watching in about a microsecond before that character said that. I'm like, what the heck is the watermelon for? It's in a press. Why is there a watermelon there? And then the character said that. I'm like, oh. Oh. Oh, I, I still don't know why, but the characters responded to this watermelon in this, you know, 5,000 pound press. And, and behind the scenes, apparently the movie was at one time very micromanaged. And then the producer who was micromanaged got bored and walked away and so the filmmakers just kept throwing stuff to see it was if it would get by <laughs> and that was one of the things they threw in there just to see if it would get by and it did and they're going okay Ooh, all right we can do whatever we want <laughs> let's keep going <laughs> just keep going what does that mean nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. and yet it's classic <laughs> right 
let's talk about Peter Weller as Dr. Buckaroo Banzai. The <laughs> film rests on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. How do we think Peter Weller did in this role? You know, I, I actually really liked him. I, I kind of recognize him. I, I don't normally recognize actors too much, but I'm like, I, I recognize this guy as a robot or something like that. He was Robert Cop. Cop. <laughs> Robert Cop, right? And... <laughs> But I was like, okay, do I believe this guy? And, you know, I think he played the role pretty well, yeah. actually. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the caliber of acting in this crazy film was kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had some top-notch people in the roles. And I think when you do look at Peter Weller, he is this super perfect person who can do everything, who understands everything. He's got a little bit of Sherlock Holmes in him as well, because oh, he's yeah. able to put things together. And with a role like this, especially with this cast of ensemble cast that you have and you're the titular character you get a different actor in here you even get like john lithgow in this role you take it too high or you take it too up there and everybody else gets lost and it Mm -hmm. becomes just a one-man show yeah he doesn't do that he's he's the smartest one in the room everybody looks to him for direction but the movie doesn't the movie continues in the scenes where he's not in Mm -hmm. and we're fine with it because it's such a good ensemble cast that anybody can pick up the ball and go with it. And he is not hogging the spotlight. Yeah. I think that's a perfect description of him because it's like, he just, no matter what he was doing, like, like the minute that he stepped into the, into the room to, to play the, the (laughs) you know, they step into the bar and they're, and they're going to, you know, he's going to step up and play guitar and everybody's like, Hey, Buckaroo Banzai, you're here. It's oh, he's a rock star now. And he just had a just a casual way of being like, Yeah, I, I am so used to just being <laughs> the most popular man in all of the universe. Yeah. And yeah. the it doesn't surprise him. that yeah. yeah. But he handles it well. And he just Indeed. he just handles it. Yeah, he handles it. It's you know, anybody else, anybody else is in that role, any of us in that role, it's like, yeah, look at I, me, I'm the star. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I'm the star, but here's the rest of my crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I they're pretty awesome as well. I can't <laughs> that, you know, man, would I ever love to be in that crew, right? You know, be, yeah. be a part of that. Just like, okay, you know, there's the leader. What's what are we gonna do next, leader? And he he brought about that that persona of a natural leader, not not something that's forced, but a a natural guy that you go to and like, okay, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. Well, Buckaroo yeah. Banzai is going to know. And I think that's as crazy as the movie is, and as much as it doesn't make sense, once you start understanding the fact that here's a guy that's got a team of other brilliant guys, I think everybody else on the team is brilliant as well mm-hmm. and very unassuming, and you realize that this is just a well-functioning machine, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this makes sense. And it's the little things that you find out throughout the film. The president's on the phone. Well, I can't take, I don't have time to take that call now because this is a normal occurrence. Right. <laughs> let's check in with the NASA guys. Let's, let's, let's warn NASA that <laughs> we've got this under handled. Yeah. <laughs> we, let, let's warn NASA that we got this handled. Yeah. NASA's taking orders from them mm-hmm. and right. they're running their command center out of a bus. I mean, what is going on, folks? <laughs> yeah. 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 This is definitely much more fun to talk about than it was to watch. I'm just going to say. <laughs> It, it was just, it was so every minute it was like, okay, here we are in a new scene and this character is doing something amazing. He's this rock star or uh-huh. he's, he, he's going through a mountain, you know, he's, he's doing all this crazy stuff. And he's, he's just like, yeah, it's, it's Monday for me kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It felt like a bit of a slog for like the first hour. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, okay, things are kind of, kind of making sense, kind of? but I'm still not 
Okay, that's I and finally I just started letting go and just laughing about it because but yeah, it took a while. This is one of these movies that you don't want to you don't go into it looking for Shakespeare. You go into it turning off the brain and just letting it wash over you and just like, ah, okay. I'm not sure what just hit me. Felt like a truck, but that was fun. You know? I think it was an ice cream truck. <laughs> I, think right. I, I think it was an ice cream truck and the driver gave me ice cream afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So my, okay, I'm okay with it. My, my favorite thing though was in the beginning. It's a precursor to Back to the Future. Oh yeah. They had yeah. the uh, the flux capacitor. They did. <laughs> what the heck? I'm like, uh, wait, wait, who ripped off who? And apparently that movie, Buck Rubanzai, came out before Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the, the guy that ran Back to the Future. He's like, he was, it was like an homage to- John Lasseter. Was it that? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, holy smokes, there's the, uh, there's the flux capacitor <laughs> in kind of a weird digital format. And it had yeah. the, the laser beam and then, <laughs> and then this vehicle that was going 500 miles an hour. So <laughs> I actually, I want to I bring up a point of the technicality Please. of the, uh, the filming. So my favorite movie ever is The Road Warrior. The one okay. where they're in the Australian outback and they're trying to show these vehicles going very fast. Mm-hmm. And all they did was they just kind of filmed it slower and then sped up the film. So it's very obvious that it just, it didn't look like they're traveling fast, right? It was sure. all, look out. It looked like it was, look yeah, out, Max. Yeah, it, was, it looked like yeah. it was sped up. But the way they cut the movie for Bonsai at the beginning, where he's taking this Ford pickup <laughs> with all this <laughs> junk bolted to it, and they're trying to make it look like it's going 500 miles an hour. And it was believable. The the way yeah. the cuts were, and it was really fast. And then you had the the science guys in the the background saying, oh, yeah, "He's gone rogue. He's gone rogue." <laughs> right? And you're just like, I. And I was thinking, okay, I could kind of believe the way this is filmed is that this vehicle has approached that that speed. Mm-hmm. And I, I I thought that was really like when when you watch other scenes where he's like playing the guitar, you know he's not really playing oh, the yeah. guitar. I'm sure, all on eighties. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, there's, yeah. There's a whole lot of eighties stuff there going on there. So much eighties. How much of that synthesizer did they use? <laughs> uh, they used all of it, and then they had their friends come over with their synthesizers. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some more of those special effects because okay. this movie does. Yes, please some lead us because <laughs> interesting <laughs> stuff gonna, with special effects. We're gonna effects. go off the rails. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, and that's fair. First of all, let's applaud the fact that all of the character aliens were real aliens. No CGI there. So Yes. Yeah. Practical effects. Yeah. Practical effects. Rubber skin. Bravo. And they're just gross enough and just... Okay. What'd you think, Tanya? I have some... I have so something to say. So Please. No, go. I love John Parker so much. <laughs> Because at first I couldn't figure out why he was doing the things with his hands. Uh-huh. And then as it was going on, and then I see him in his alien form, and he's still doing it with his hands. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's a character choice. Okay, cool. So then I started thinking about Porgo from Manos Hands of Fate. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like that weird character choice that some that an actor makes. For whatever reason, the John Parker character, it worked with. But Torgo did not. But, but that's a whole other thing that we don't need to talk about right now. Yeah, I've seen Manos Hands of Fate, but never Buckaroo Bonsai. Eh, whatever. We, we all make choices. Yeah, you do. You make choices. That was Carl Lumbly playing John Parker, but keep going. Go, yes, go, go. Yes, he was brilliant, and I loved him. So the thing with his prosthetic face 
and I'm glad that Chris is here to help me because I'm, <laughs> I'm into my second glass of whiskey. <laughs> um, so you can keep that in. Um, I'm going to. So he's got the, the thing on and he's talking and it's kind of a close up of his face. And every time he says a P or a B, it blows up his, his, mask. his mask around his face. <laughs> So you can see the prosthetics kind of. You can leaving. see the prosthetics <laughs> not being stuck to his face, and <laughs> and it just made me giggle with glee. I was I just was like, did you see that? His face puffed up. It was so great. It's, it's kind of like the the Highlander when you you see the the strings that are holding the guys mm-hmm. up. It's like, yeah. all right, that takes me out of the moment a little bit, but I love the strings holding up the guys, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> And you have to love the alien designs. You have to love how the pros- they have prosthetics and they just went with it. They made choices with the alien ships, too. They made them more organic yeah. rather than the sleek metal design, which, okay, I you know, let's have fun with that. Let's not make them what we are used to. And so it's like, well, this looks weird. This looks odd. This is different. But they look like shells. Wait, they, what what they has it got to be yeah. a shell? <laughs> Why not though? I mean, why oh. does it have to why does it have to be a couple of pythons put together? I mean, That's you know. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't understand the the concept that that would have led I mean, not like I needed to cuz there was there's no through line here, but but <laughs> you would you would think that there would be some kind of concept between their their flying shells and the things that go inside of it don't look like things that would go inside of shells. They 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 didn't look like snail-like or well they're kind of crab-like so the, you think so eh, kind of so mm-hmm. the the safety gear i think my favorite part is when they're i think it was lithgow that was getting ready to to drive off and his co-pilots or whatever are getting into this safety gear and it they're being held up by what looked like a suit of meat yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like oh, i don't know what's going on anymore <laughs> I need a yeah. safe space because there's a guy with a suit of meat, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is a safety harness. Yeah, of meat. Okay, <laughs> why not? At this why point, not? my kids left the room. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they're missing the best parts. I know they just didn't understand. It's the eighties. Oh, well, I and, didn't and understand you, either. And, but then you have like you know some cheap eighties special effects with the, the 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 rocket ships in the air, which it's fine. Oh, it's the best God. what you got yes. for the time being. It's really bad to look at now, but then you have to also look, well, that's early to mid 80s. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad for that time. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was relatively impressed. A lot of practical effects, but mm-hmm. the computer effects that they had wasn't super bad. No, you can tell the limitations. You can't do anything about it, but hey. you you kind of expect it and you watch it and it makes it it adds to the camp value, which is good. I was just going to say there's nothing really about the effects that would take you out of yeah. the disbelief you have to suspend for this movie. <laughs> Except for that watermelon. <laughs> well, because that was real. That was, that was real as far as we know. Let's keep going down the path of the aliens because there is some amazing act in this list of, for the aliens, uh, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, that you never really see their face. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we have Christopher Lloyd as John Big Booty, Big Booty. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping you were going to say Big Booty so that I could say it's Big Booty. <laughs> it's Big Booty. And you have to do in that Christopher Lloyd like angry voice as well. Yeah. Um, you've you've also got Dan Hidea from mm-hmm. Cheers fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also got Vincent 
Schiavelli, who is just a character actor you've seen in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. 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 It's like he's totally recognizable. You just don't know his name. Yeah. He's like, oh, 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 that guy that just kind of plays the, the, the dour, droopy dog kind of character. It's like, oh, it's him. It's him. It, they've got these great secondary characters, mid 80s. And you're just like, this is an amazing cast. Yeah. yeah. E- even the, uh, the orderly that uh, Lithgow killed. Like, yes, yes. Wait a minute, that guy's on other stuff. Mm-hmm. Not just other stuff. That is Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the hitman in Breaking Bad, and that's what he plays. He just plays this completely tough guy. Mm-hmm. And so you see him, and like, you're going, why does he look familiar? Oh, my God, it's a 30 years younger Jonathan Banks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So he was amazing as well. And then you, of course, have... Somebody we've already we mentioned beforehand, Clancy Brown. We were talking about Clancy <laughs> Brown, and he's in this, and he plays the normal person. <laughs> Clancy Brown plays the most normal person in this film. I mean, what do you guys think of this this supporting cast? I, you know, I kept I kept when they when inter, a new cast member was introduced, it's like, wait a minute, I know that guy from other things, and and it, it just it became obvious that these guys it was like one of their first films that they all kind of, you know, they didn't have their big names at the time, but you're like, wow, that that guy plays something later on that's amazing, and honestly, the, all their acting, I'm I'm really surprised this movie didn't do better because you're, they're acting. You are well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but their acting was. The problem is with this movie is not acting related. No, the, problem the acting is, is not the, with the acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it had all the uh, it had all the elements of a very successful film. Yes, it did. <laughs> but it just the storyline was so insane. I don't think people could follow it. And yet, it's found a place in our hearts. Oh. What are the things that you guys just hated, especially now that you've had an opportunity to think about it all? Hmm. The things that just absolutely drove you nuts, and you just cannot get by. Um, oh. So I think. You know, I, I kept thinking about the the female person. Oh, who who was Ellen, Bar- Ellen Barkin? Ellen Barkin play art. Yeah, Penny Pretty. Penny Pretty. I kept thinking. You know, I, I mean, I know they're acting, but when they're they're the bad guys are pushing her down and everything. I kept thinking, wow, are they really thrashing her that much? I, I mean, it looked it looked, it looked real. like they were. Yeah, and I, I thought, gosh, I hope I hope she's okay. <laughs> I I felt bad, but I thought, gosh, they're really thrashing that actress. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a thing that they that that got pushed in the in the eighties was like this kind of a little bit more sexist kind of yeah they were I yeah. think they were trying to be realistic about things but at the same time it's yeah it's just it's it's hard to watch <laughs> yeah as yeah. a woman it is hard to watch <laughs> yeah uh, th- th- this film for any accolades I would definitely give it I would take a lot of things away because it doesn't pass any kind of Bechtel test at all. There is there is some issues with that. Uh, there's only a, three women that really are places in this film, and they never really interact with any significance. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I, and as far as the female lead goes, she, th- that character really suffers. I think I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I know a lot more about the minorist character in the Hong Kong Cavaliers than I do about the lead female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was my thought as well. Is like she had a really weird role, but I wasn't sure what her role was. Yeah, and I mean, it was the damsel in distress. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, much. that's what it felt like to me was that she was. It, it was quintessentially early eighties 
mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It was like, it was as though someone had written a whole script that didn't include a romantic interlude. And someone said, some producer said, if you want to make this movie, it can't be all boys. You need to have a pretty girl in here. And mm-hmm. that's really all it felt like to me was like, you yeah. need to have something to save at the end. <laughs> right. And she literally just like got put to sleep and needed to be saved, which is so much. I can so relate to that. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> It's my favorite. Can I be that girl? (laughs) Besides the female lead, was there anything negative for you, Tanya? What I was talking to Chris about earlier was like the negative thing I would bring out about this movie in general would be that it feels like the kind of movie... So, you know, when, you know, when you're like in your twenties and your Mm -hmm. friends start getting married and they start having kids and they're like, you should have a kid. It's so great. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like I made it to almost 50, never seeing Buckaroo Banzai. And all my friends are still like, you should see Buckaroo Banzai. And now I've done it. And I feel like I shouldn't have. <laughs> I mean, I'm having a lot of fun talking to you about it, and it's it, it's really much more fun after the fact. I want to go on record saying I loved it, every bit of it. And Tanya's crazy. Shut up! I hope you have more of them. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's just honestly kind of like the thought that came to me today. I'll, as I was outside weeding, I'm like, oh my god, this is like all the friends in my 20s who said you should have kids, and then I didn't have kids, and I was fine not having kids, and. That you know of. Yeah, that I know of. (laughs) There's a lot of movies that people, and I've had other people on the show that said, this is a movie that everyone's told me for years that I have to see, and I haven't because it's been built up to a different expectation, or I'm going into it with this, this, you know, wild expectation, or... And and then they see it, and they're going, "I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I hated it. Some people, they're like, you know, that was... Uh, that was really good. And I am sorry I didn't see it when I was a kid. This may be one of those movies that you may go back to it at some time and say, you know what? This is a lot more fun. I was going into it way too serious. Or you may like, nope, nope, I'm done. Never want to see it again. Horrible thing. But the thing is, is that, or, or you might even go back to it and say, this would have hit me a lot better if I was younger when I saw it the first if time. I was there's a lot of, it. yeah, there's that too. Yeah. There's- but there's a lot of those movies that... As you see it the first time, if you're younger, you're more accepting or you you match it with something in your head that this is a fun time and I'm having a good time with my friends. This may be one of those movies as well. As I was saying, just talking to you about it now, all of us talking about it, it's like it's way more fun to talk about it than it was to watch it. (laughs) I I, I think, you know, Rick said something earlier about watching it multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I think if... <laughs> well, That's a shaking head. head. No, there. No, no, no. <laughs> but I, I think if we had a bunch of people say in a room, and you know, maybe there's a couple of beverages in the room, and we were all just kind of a ripping a lot of beverages yeah. in the room. Um, you know, I think it would be a fun party. Um, yeah, video where it's, it's like not. you had to drink when you, something mm-hmm. weird happened. Of it's course, like the way I've watched uh, the way I've watched Flash Gordon. Oh. Yeah, Gordon's yeah. alive. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. but if you watch it with friends and you're drinking, it's yeah. a great time. Yeah. So that Rock, Rocky Horror Picture Show is the same way. You know, mm-hmm. you seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show by yourself is boring. It's, it's a terrible movie by yourself. 
You go into but the, you watch it with you watch it with. I don't agree with you. It was terrible by yourself. I love this movie. No, you don't. But you watch it with any group of friends, yeah. and it just becomes more fun. You watch this one the next time through, and all of a sudden you're going, you know, they're only monkey boys. Every time you hear them call them monkey boys, you'll just start busting up laughing. Or, you know, that's, wherever you go, there you are. You are. So oh my God. <laughs> there's a couple of catchphrases that I've used in my own life for years, and I heard it on there. I'm like, oh my goodness, that is where this came from. There's another mm-hmm. one where it's like, holy smokes, I say that all the time. I I, I wish I, I knew what it was. I'll have to come back to you on that. Oh, yeah, because I have one that is a variation and I didn't know it came from this movie because it's been with friends for years. We've always said, what the deuce? Yeah, that's, that's I think that was it. What the deuce? It's like, uh, that, that came out in the 80s? I was so mm-hmm. sheltered as a child. <laughs> But but he doesn't say that exactly. That's just what we but, morphed it. What my friends and I morphed it into. I had no idea where it came from. So, <laughs> well, as we're starting to wrap up here, I'm not going to keep you guys. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you guys in this vice grip of reliving this horror show in your minds. Although you're having much more fun talking about it now. Yes. But is there anything else that you guys want to mention about the film, good or bad, absolutely insane, or just something that you're going to take away from this entire experience? Absolutely insane. <laughs> so. I, I'm still looking forward to the uh, the sequel. I, yeah, we all are. <laughs> what, were there two sequels that they're like, uh, you know, be on the lookout for Buckaroo Banzai and uh, the, the World Crime Syndicate or something? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still waiting for that. It's only been a few years, a few decades. For a long time, I was under the impression, and I think it was one of those urban legends, that Big Trouble in Little China was actually a, a reworked sequel from this movie. Oh, but no, funny. it's just But no, it's just a lot of the people that worked on that movie mm-hmm. worked on Big Trouble. and there's And once you look at Big Trouble in Little China, you're like, there's a lot of things and you can kind of feel oh, there's man, well, there's a similar DNA that exists in there. It's just there's a, that weird kind of feeling. And in this movie, for as crazy it is, is, as it is, it has sunk into the psyche of the world. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely got teeth. So it's like it's not going to leave me alone for a long time. And I understand that. And I know that I'm going to get more jokes when I'm at Comic-Con and things like that now. And yeah, I, Just wherever you go, there you are. Because, yeah, there's that. <laughs> and the horse you rode in on, John Martin. <laughs> Everybody named John, yeah. Oh. Big bouquet and uh, small berries. Small berries. <laughs> This is a joke. This is an absolute joke. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I need to ask this, and this is going to be okay. very frightening. Oh. But let's okay. let's let's, let's see serious. what we got here. Let's, let's get, get serious. serious here. We we need to rate this film. We need to oh. we need to give we need to give bags of popcorn for this film, and you each get your own bags of popcorn that you get to give to this film. It's so one to five. One to five. One being. The worst thing you've ever seen in your life. Five being Lawrence of Arabia. Share the stage with me, man. Uh, three is right there in the middle. And then you got two and four as your halves. Because we don't do halvesies. So you got one through five full bags of popcorn. Let's go Tanya. Because Chris, you always speak first. Tanya. Oh my God. <laughs> this is like existentially hard. You drew bags if I, of popcorn. I know. I drew bags of popcorn on my paper. Because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. Because I forgot that part. So just, just shut up and let me do my thing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, so like my favorite, if it was against my favorite movie, then I'm, oh gosh, this is really, let's go to Chris because I got to, I got to think. I give it a four. 
Oh, Chris, four? give it a four. Well, give it a four. Because it's iconic. It's strange. And a movie is supposed to move you in ways that you, you know, you don't see in real life, right? You're not going to see a guy going into the fourth dimension, driving 500 miles an hour into a mountain and then saving the world. So suspend disbelief and, you know, enjoy, enjoy the ride as, as bizarre as it is. Mm-hmm. But and also, this is a personal choice too. Right. It's insane. So, yeah. But I also like other junky movies too, you know? Yeah, you do. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. <laughs> so I want people to watch this share in our horror, share in our misery. <laughs> so I'm giving it a, a falsified four bags of popcorn because they think, wow, that Chris guy knows what he's talking about. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and Tanya, I, I, let, let's go for the, the real, the <sighs> real feelings gonna, on here. I'm going to sound like such an elitist because, oh, no. Oh, no. you know, my favorite movies in the whole world are period dramas. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking for like, like costuming and, keeping me in a world and all those kind of things, which this does kind of do. Yeah. It's it's got those things. I like things to keep me in that world, but gosh, darn. (laughs) (laughs) If I I'm, I'm thinking of like the rewatch value. So there I'm going to go with a two Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I, I would say that there would have to be very specific circumstances that I would watch (laughs) this again. There'd have to be a lot of booze, a lot of friends, I think I need to start making this show a two drink minimum with certain people because this this is a lot of fun for me on this side. <laughs> I can see both sides of what you guys have because realistically, there's a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> and, and 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 it can hit you completely wrong and you're just like, I don't get it. And yeah, two is completely perfectly fine. And it's not it's not that it hit me wrong. It's right. Just it's just not necessarily yeah. my thing. <laughs> yeah. It, I you're correct. But then on the other side, you have people that this hits that funny bone for them and they see the wackiness and they love that. And they make it a cold classic, which is mm-hmm. you get the force. I'm actually leaning a bit more on the forest side myself. I've seen this movie a lot of times. It's a favorite that I come back to from time to time. And I'm just rewatching this for this show. I was laughing myself silly. My wife walked out of the room near the end. She's like, <laughs> I'm tired. I got to go. I'm, I'm done. You're missing. The- uh, go ahead. Go. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm laughing hysterically. This is enjoyable for me. So I land a little bit more on the four side myself, but so I'll, I'll tell you, Rick, you and I embrace chaos. That's <laughs> why true. it's a four. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We embrace chaos way too much. <laughs> All right. Before we get out of here, I don't know if there's anything either of you guys want to plug or or promote to say any of the enjoyment you want to give to the world. Is there anything that you guys have that you want to promote for your benefit? So we're working on stuff, but we don't have anything ready yet. Not not for human consumption at this time. Well, if you guys ever do, you guys are more than welcome to come back on the show and do another one of these. We'll find something else you guys haven't seen, and, oh, heck yeah. and we will subject you guys to more oh, enjoyment. I, I would be happy to watch another two. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, Just to have this enjoyable conversation. <laughs> We, Chris and I do have some, some, uh, stuff going on where we've got, got some Etsy shops and, uh, I, I'm a, I, I'm a costumer and we, I just don't have my, my dub, dub, dub up at the moment. Is that what the kids are saying? 
that's what the kids are saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's Rick's going to help me out with a podcast that I've been working on for two years and I built an entire studio for, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's about what we expect. Yeah. That's about what we expect. Uh, yeah. You know, some paths yeah. are longer than others. You and I have had many, many late nights at Sherry's talking about what would be a great podcast. And, and say, this is what I've come up with. I, I, think <laughs> this is a, I think this is a great format. I've seen a, or I've listened to a lot of podcasts where they talk about movies and their preconceived notions. Here you interview people that before the movie and then after the movie. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's a really interesting and cool format. Yeah. So yeah, good job on this, man. Thank you very much. I, I enjoy this. This is fun for me. I like having these conversations with people. I like teasing out the fun stuff in the movies and re-experiencing it myself. And yeah. I enjoy talking to people, especially like you guys. You guys are a kick and you guys are dear, dear friends. <laughs> and I love you for it. But like I said, I do this podcast and you can talk to me anytime you want over on Twitter at mmuckabout or you can check out my other podcast that I host with a friend of all of ours, but that one's called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and I host that with our friend, or as I like to call him, my monkey boy, John Jeff Smallberries. <laughs> if you would like to be not Rick of podcasts, <laughs> you better believe it. If you would like to be on this show, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at Jeff and Rick present all one word at gmail.com. Big thank you to the Longbox Crusade for letting me use this wonderful attic of their headquarters to broadcast their show. And also to the Longbox Crusade members who help support this network. If you would like to support the network, head on over to Patreon, search for Longbox Crusade, and throw them some money. You'll, you'll love it. They'll love it. That's all the time we have today. Grab your popcorn, pull up seat, come back next week for another episode where we're going to talk about something. It'll be fun. Check it out. The music for this episode is Fall Back by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. Come on, you can, monkey boy.